Coming up in Need to Know, we celebrate Juneteenth and discuss why some holidays remain problematic for our communities. In all the fields, we explore critical race theory and why it has suddenly become the newest front in America's culture war. And in Gotta Do, we honor daddies as Father's Day approaches. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your best life starts now. This is Warden Webster. How you doing? I don't know what it is about the way you say daddies. <laughs> that disturbs me. Why are you disturbed? I do not understand. I don't know. But um, there is, I don't know, maybe it's the uh, infliction. Is that the word uh, that you put inflection? on? Inflection. Thank you. The way you say deities. <laughs> so, you know, I never, I never say Father's Day unless I'm talking to my actual father. Mm -hmm. uh, this Sunday is actually Daddy's Day to me. Aww. And we, we do not need to get into that because I have a whole episode planned for when we really want to get down into the ranch. But let <laughs> me just, let me just give the abridged version. I am a member of the leather community mm. and daddy means something else to me. Which is why you say it that way. <laughs> I wait to get into that episode. I feel like you've been wanting to get into some raunch for quite some time, which is again why you chose this here book. <laughs> so a couple of things. Um, so the book, I've started reading it. I know that you're almost done with the book. Mm. And it is, it's as you say, it is quite a tickle. I am enjoying it thus far. I cannot wait to discuss it next week. I cannot wait. It is. <laughs> If folks have not picked it up yet, please do. What are you waiting for? It is an easy read and you will uh, enjoy. So Bianca, we had a milestone this week. Um, we passed 1,000 downloads all time. We're actually almost up to 1,050. I checked um, just a little while ago. Um, now, I don't know if that sounds like a lot to, to a lot of the listeners, but we're what, 17 episodes in? And I to be shocked. <laughs> Thank you. And to be quite frank, when we started this, we had no idea if anybody would listen. Fair. <laughs> the fact that we got, the fact that we've made it this far, I love it. I am uh, surprised and appalled. Why do you all want this here foolishness? And so all of the posts and like the thank you things that I created for the Instagram was like, thank you for loving this here foolishness, because clearly you do. I was not, when you told me that um, last week, I was not expecting us to be at a thousand already. And again, I don't know, for like veteran podcasters or people who are like in the know, they might be like, girl, that ain't a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> to me because I thought maybe our good good girlfriends would listen for a kiki and might not get past the pilot when they couldn't hear me <laughs> but people are still listening and thank you a thousand that's yeah that's awesome thank so, you to our um, listeners so I don't know what you do when you get to a thousand listeners on a podcast I don't know if we're supposed to be drinking something or eating something I just don't know, Bianca. So we'll have to figure that out. Maybe we can figure it out. And when we get to 1500, we can do it. <laughs> mm, <you're> right. <laughs> 
so let's speed that along. So continue to tell your friends, but you know, we need like a, a signature Warden Webster cocktail that <gasps> I know. That's a great Maybe idea. Maybe even something with bourbon, even though you know that's not my jam. I don't know, but we need some type of signature drink that we in, uh, for folks who would like to drink um, could toast with us when we make it to fifteen hundred. Before we get to our segments this week, I need a pop culture roundup from you, Bianca. And I put, I this, know. <laughs> I put this on the arc and I was like, I don't even know if she's going to know anything about this bullshit either. But <clears throat> let me tell you what had happened. Okay. So I was tweeting um, on our Warden Webster Twitter account this week. And on that particular Twitter account, we follow all sorts of, you know, fabulous things. And so as, a, as I was tweeting, I saw something about Chrissy Teigen. She is the wife of John Legend, I believe. She, I know her because she has a lot of memes, <laughs> like her, the faces that she makes, like she's meme worthy. Yes. Um, but as I was tweeting, I noticed um, people were saying, oh, she's on an apology tour since she was, um, because she had been bullying people online. I was like, wait, what? And literally that's all I know. So do you know what they're talking about? Like, what did she do? Because I'm, I'm out of the loop as usual. I know pop culture is not your jam. So. <laughs> I am, I am pleased that you know who she is and who she's married to. So I follow, and, and I have always been, I am a new Chrissy Teigen fan, probably like the past like year and a half, two years that I have been following her. I love the, I love her vulnerability in her posts. I love the way she trolls uh, Donald Trump, um, where he's like blocked her on all the things when he had social media. Um, <laughs> I love, uh, their family I love the kids like all of that when when their baby passed away like just how again how vulnerable and things that she was now I know that she um was admitting to like being a bully and like being a troll um and I guess some things that she had tweeted or commented on for other celebrities has is coming back to bite her in the ass. And apparently she at one point said some horrible things and is now having all these repercussions. So people are um, just, yeah, expressing all kind of hate and things towards her. So I don't, I don't have all of the ends of the what's happened, but I did see that she had posted some very lengthy um Instagram posts with all kind of apologies etc um honestly they look really long and I just skimmed past it yeah I saw it I didn't read it either and so I guess I could google what it is that she did but when you say bullying was she online calling people names was she like I guess I don't understand what the bullying was and why she would even have time or reason to be quote unquote bullying people. Cause I, I know she's busy. She'd have to be busy. She, she should be busy having sex with that man. If, if nothing else. Because that man there. Mm -hmm. I love her. John legend is deep from when it, back to ordinary people, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and even before, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but there is like, so as we're chatting, pulling things up, but she is in the midst of some type of, of cyber bullying scandal. Um, 
So apparently, I'm just going to read this real quick. This is on CNN. This week, Project Runway contestant Michael Costello posted a statement on his verified Instagram account saying he wanted to kill himself and I am still traumatized, depressed, and have thoughts of suicide um, after alleged bullying by Tegan in 2014. According to Costello, Tegan accused him of being a racist based on what he said was Photoshop comments that he said... Um, has since been proven false and taken down. Um, and so it just goes into things that she had said about him. Um, and her thing was um, on Monday, and that's when we saw the lengthy post, um, I was a troll full stop, and I'm sorry. So she has then since been putting out quite a few of these um apology she's on an apology tour but she has been known to call people out on mess to troll the trump supporters <laughs> to do all of the things so just doing the yeah. most the, yeah the most <laughs> and it sounds like a lot of this it sounds like at least some of it i shouldn't say a lot because i'm unfamiliar it sounds like at least some of this has been a while ago and maybe her more recent social media activity has been a little bit more up to snuff, but it sounds like maybe in, in the past, you know, a lot of folks, I don't know if you follow Joy Reid, who, <clears throat> whose show I watch on MSNBC, The Readout. Um, Joy is, she's really with it now, but back in the day when she had her blog, she was saying a lot of stuff about gay people that was not cute and did not age well. And of course her enemies, because she's very, you know, outspoken politically, her enemies dug it up and made a big deal of it. I think last year or the year before, she had to do a whole episode on how those are no longer her views on gay people. And so, you know, the tweets that you tweet from 2014, sometimes they come back to bite you in the butt. Nothing dies. Wasn't it um, Sanaa Russell when she, when we were having the whole conversation about like, um, I can't remember the website where you can go back and see things that you thought were deleted, but are not. And we talked about the, the way back machine, the way back machine. And so, um, I don't know. And, and that's why if all else fails, don't, don't tweet it, don't post it, don't, because it will always come back. It will, it will always come back. And, and then here you are like, yes, those were my views then I have learned and grown, but we're also about that cancel life. So for some, it's like, if you said it, you felt it, you believe it, even if it was 10, 15 years ago, and, and it still stands. So, um, and I like Joy Reid as well. I didn't hear about this. Mm -hmm, I gotta, mm -hmm. oh, her blog so was, was not, her, her blog that she used to do years and years ago before she really made it big at MSNBC mm -hmm. is, does not reflect, I think, what her current views are. Mm -hmm. Joy is, and I, I've never met her, so I should, I should say this, this is just from my observation of her. She's the classic African-American um, Southerner, born and raised in the church. And a lot of those folks have some views around gay people and gay issues. They were the, in other words, they were the last to come around on gay marriage. I, why did I just say gay marriage? On marriage equality, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot of the things she said fit squarely within what you would expect um, a person of color who is steeped in the church from the South to say. And I think as she, mm -hmm. you know, as she grew up and learned and experienced more, she realized that some of those things weren't so cute, particularly, mm -hmm. and they didn't fit, they did not fit squarely into what is currently her political view. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the best she could do is say that my, my thinking on this has evolved. You know, I now understand that love is love. And before when I was saying all this stuff about marriage being between a man and a woman, I was misguided. Mm -hmm. And I think 
But I mean, as but I I got that. I think that that was less about gay people per se and more about her religious beliefs. And a lot of people have struggled with that. Mm -hmm. But they but, you know, but of course, a lot of again, her her political enemies saw it as an opportunity to say, oh, but you said this and now you're trying to talk about Donald Trump and all these other people. But you were talking about gay people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Before we move on, because I, I, we have we talked about this longer than I thought we would, Benifer. So, and this is my last thing in my pop culture roundup. Um, so I've been surprised, you know, I'm never surprised when old flames rekindle it because there was a reason why they were flames to begin with, whatever, I get it. What I don't get, Bianca, is the extent to which they have clearly gone to to put their business on Front Street. Like they're basically making out and humping in front of the paparazzi. They're like doing, they are doing the most. And so what my question to you is, why? Like, like the last time Benifer was a thing, it kind of blew up in their face. So I'm stunned that they want to be so public this time around because it didn't work out for them the first time. You know what? I think, I think, first of all, I think folks are eating it up because we want the nostalgia. They were our first, um, <laughs> like, name combination couple, that whole Benifer, and it was adorbs. That was before she was, you know, with Puffy and all of, all of those things. And so now it's like, now they're back together, uh, and which, which is very interesting. Well, one, we know... <laughs> J-Lo, she loves her mans, right? Until a certain point and whatever happens and, and she moves on. And so she is going back to, some people go back to what's familiar and what they know, but this is like, what, almost 20 years later. Like they, it has been a long time. They've both had a couple, two, three, six, seven kids. She's been engaged a couple, two, three, six, seven times. Um, but I thought I had heard that maybe her and A-Rod were still trying to rekindle. I don't know. And I like A-Rod, but I guess not because she out here making out with Ben Affleck in these here streets. <laughs> she gonna do whatever she want to do. And she can because she is Jennifer Dam Lopez. The whole thing surprised me. I was surprised that her and A-Rod broke up. I'm surprised mm -hmm. that why they broke up. That was crazy. But then it really took the cake when she went back to Ben Affleck because I did not see that coming. I, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I like this little pop culture roundup. I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> In this week's Need to Know, we discuss how Juneteenth is on the pathway to become the 11th federal holiday. But is this achievement mere symbolism at the expense of real laws that impact the lives of Black people? When, um, okay, so first let's, for the folks who don't know, because I was going to ask you, like, when was the first time you heard about Juneteenth, but let's back up just for a sec. So, um, so for people who don't know, it became a federal law Thursday. Um, Biden signed the things. It is official. Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. Um, just for those who don't know, don't know. So June 19th, 1965, this is my, um, Ward abbreviated history version. <laughs> um, two years after the, so 1960, 1865, excuse me, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, um, Union soldiers make it down to Galveston, Texas um, to tell the last enslaved people that they were now free because 
two years had passed and um, they were still enslaved in Texas. <clears throat> and we're not talking about 10 or 15 folks. We're talking about, about 250,000 <laughs> enslaved people are now free June 19th, 1865. So it that's how it became Juneteenth. Um, it was actually first like Jubilee Day, Emancipation Day. It's had a few different names, but Juneteenth is how we know it today. What I didn't know is that even before more of the movements around the celebration of Juneteenth, that there were definitely places and, and states, specifically Texas, that had always been celebrating it. it was a, it's been a state holiday in Texas, in Texas since 1980. So we're late, <laughs> um, but it is now officially a, a federal holiday. When was the first time you learned about Juneteenth? Because this is not something, definitely not something that I was taught in school. Um, I didn't learn, learn about and appreciate and start celebrating um, probably maybe about, five, um, about six, seven years ago, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in Louisiana, in rural Louisiana. This was not a part of the school curriculum mm -hmm. at all. It was not mentioned, referenced, or even touched upon. And we're going to get into critical race theory and the battle in schools in just in just a second here. Um, but no, this was not something that I was aware of, not even something that my family really uh, taught me about. Because, you know, when you're growing up in the situation that I did, a lot of what you learn is at home because it's just stripped out. The history is stripped out of the of the history books. But even within the household, this was not a day that we celebrated. Bianca, it must have been, I would say, maybe 10, 15 years ago that I really started to understand what it was and really started to observe it. Um, and that's, you know, that's very recently, at least in my mind. So I feel like there's a lot of education that needs to go on around Juneteenth. I do remember Emancipation Day and that kind of preceding Juneteenth. And so I, re I remember those celebrations and I understood what those were about, but Juneteenth and, and, the, and, the, and the story that you just told and the way that the vice president conveyed it also at the, at the signing ceremony on Thursday, you know, I don't know that that, that, I don't know that I knew the details of that story until this week. And I feel like a lot of people are in that same boat. Now, not to toot my, not to toot our horn, but I feel like as people of color, we are fairly well-read. So if we were, so if this is new-ish to us, you know it's new-ish to people who aren't Black. Fair. <laughs> Why are the Blacks getting another holiday? Um, <laughs> but um, I, and also again, I think as I was just, even in preparation for this episode, but just diving in, uh, realizing that it is also very regional, you know, because folks in Texas have been celebrating a long, you know, a long time with um, parades and events. And um, I feel like I am seeing it more and more. Um, and, and to be honest, I think that's how I came to learn about it was more so uh, when I started my business and I was vending more uh, community events and festivals and signing up for things. And I was like, wait, what is this Juneteenth festival? Like what, you know, and learning that way. So if I wasn't in that space, um, what I have known, because again, school, what? Trash. No. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I have to admit, Bianca, I was surprised that the Republicans, particularly in the Senate, gave mm. their consent to this bill to even be passed. It passed unanimously in the mm -hmm. Senate. I can't, I don't even remember the last time any bill of consequence 
passed unanimously in that chamber. It was being held up by Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He is a Republican. His objection was he didn't think that the federal employees should get another holiday for, in his words, just to celebrate the end of slavery. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> just going to leave that there. Now, he's a member of a party that claims to take all the credit for ending slavery because Lincoln was a Republican. So their, mm -hmm. big, their big feather in their cap is, <laughs> oh, we ended slavery for the Blacks. <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, while they're while they're tooting that horn, they don't want a holiday to acknowledge that 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 achievement. So it's just they're always speaking out of both sides of their fucking mouths, and it really does annoy me. But Bianca, <clears throat> I want to get into the other side of this. So Jamil Hill, who we both love, love, she has a podcast called Jamil Hill Unbothered. Love she it. tweeted something that I must repeat here in this space. Now, first, let me say she was responding to something that Essence had tweeted. So Essence uh, just sent out a simple tweet that says, breaking, Senate passes bill establishing Juneteenth as a national holiday. So that's what they tweeted. On They tweeted that on, on June 15th. The very next day on June 16th, Jamil retweeted Essence and then she said this, can't get an anti-lynching bill passed, mm. can't get the for, the for the People Act to protect our voting rights passed, mm. or the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed, but enjoy this day off, exclamation point. When I saw that, I was like, she just said everything that needs to be said about this entire week. So hold on. <laughs> I see Jamil Hill and I raise her. <laughs> my homegirl congresswoman Cori Bush who I live for so her post was it's Juneteenth and reparations it's Juneteenth and and police violence and war on drugs it's Juneteenth and and housing and education apartheid it's Juneteenth and teach the truth about white supremacy in our country black liberation in its totality must be prioritized so again, folks are like, okay, yeah, this is cute. Because one, let's be clear, Black people are going to celebrate regardless. Before this was a federal holiday, we were celebrating, right? Learning, understanding, getting into our, our own history and, and celebrating our liberation. Now it's a federal holiday. <laughs> I have seen my timeline has been blowing up with all of the things which I appreciate, but they were like, um, white people shouldn't get this day off. They need to go to work. <laughs> I was like, I mean, well, I mean, well, it's going to be, you know what? It's going to end up being one of those things where it's going to be mostly white people with the day off because, because you know, black and brown people end up in jobs where, you know, you don't, it's you're not tied to a desk. You don't necessarily work for the federal government. The federal workforce is mostly yeah. white people. So of course they're getting the day off, but is this day really going to benefit um, anyone else? And to the points that those tweets were raising, you know, to be quite frank with you, <clears throat> I am not here for the performative symbolic bullshit that makes people feel good about themselves, but doesn't actually impact anyone's lives. I have never been about that. So, you know, I'm really big into football. A couple of years ago in the NFL, there was a team from Washington that had um, a nickname that a lot of people considered to be a slur. And when I tell you the progressive folks were all, uh, all lathered up about them changing the name of this football team. Oh, they have to change the name. They have to change the name. This is insulting. And I kept saying to them, because a lot of these folks, you know, are my friends and we, we have these political debates. I'm like, you know what? I actually don't think Native American people give a fuck 
what the name of a football team is. They don't care. The only people I see complaining about this are white liberals. And they would always say to me, oh, well, that doesn't matter. We still got to do the right thing. We can't use a slur. I'm like, but but you don't have any ground to stand on. This doesn't have anything to do with you. Why, if they're not complaining, why are you complaining? Because this is something, my, the point I was trying to make, Bianca, I felt like liberals were, were, they wanted to change the name of the team so that they could feel better about it. But it's performative. It doesn't do anything to advance or enhance the life of Native American of Native Americans. It's just the name of a football team. So back, so so to me, I was reminding of that this week because I'm thinking, okay, so Juneteenth, it's a federal holiday. So that's great. It passed the Senate unanimously. We got a hundred votes on that, but we can't even get 50 votes to protect our voting rights. We can't even get 50 votes to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. We can't even get 50 votes to pass an anti-lynching bill. How the fuck can anyone be opposed to an anti-lynching bill? What is your opposition to that? <laughs> what is it? What, what is it? But see, that's the kind of bullshit we do. But those types of laws would actually impact the lives of Black people. But they don't want to pass those. But they will pass a federal holiday so that we can get a day off. So um, somebody said to me the other day uh, when we were talking about the podcast, they were talking about listening to the podcast and they were like, mm, I, you know, sometimes when you and, and Isaiah disagree, like I'm intrigued because you guys all usually agree about the same thing. So <laughs> with it, because they were talking about the Naomi Osaka in, uh, episode. So I will say this. I think um the former name of the Washington team was trash. And I was definitely one of those people that was like, we are not going to continue to call it that. Like it is, it is not okay. And <laughs> there were, um, and, and, and that wasn't the first team. It's the Braves and the Chiefs, like all of these things. Right. And so there has been a push from indigenous communities to change those names. However, which is in, which I think, I statement. It is when white liberals get and progressives get behind it, <laughs> then then change happens. Because when people from the communities say are saying this name is is racist as fuck, nobody cares. But when white folks get behind things and 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 want to do good for karma or whatever the hell, <laughs> then all of a sudden movement is made, which is bullshit. We don't have a lot never... today. I would never say that, I you know, I, I would never doubt UB, but were Native communities really concerned about the name of that team? Because I don't think they were. Was, I honestly don't. So, yes, <laughs> they were. I think it's one of those things where it's like, yes, because there was definitely uh, protests. I am looking at, at polls and things that were done where people were of Native American communities were polled 70% um, specifically about the former team name. 70% um, saying that, yes, it is racist, wanting it changed. The other 30% saying they didn't really care, et cetera. So there's, there's definitely things out there um, and polls being done, et cetera. Well, let me ask you this, and I don't, I don't want to get us too far off okay. the track because we're really supposed to be talking about Juneteenth. We are. The, the Kansas City Chiefs are still a thing. So Why? if we change, so I don't understand. So to me, again, this, change them I think all. this is all crazy. 
Exactly. <laughs> like what, like what, like what are we doing? So, so the Washington team changed their name because that was offensive, but the chiefs, that's the, the chiefs can steal the chiefs. They can still do tomahawk chops in the stands. They can still have all this bullshit. That's, that's, that's completely change culturally appropriate. <laughs> no, but, but there's no movement to change that. Change them all. <laughs> anyway, back to, back to Juneteenth. Um, <clears throat> So as you know, Bianca, listeners may not know, I'm a very patriotic person. And so I, I get down me. for most holidays. <laughs> I love the 4th of July and I will never forget. Okay. Wait, yes, I love the 4th of July. I will never forget. I was with some black friends once and they were like, yeah, we don't celebrate that trash ass. We wasn't free? <laughs> Juneteenth is for us. <laughs> and I had to reassess. I'm like, wait, should I not be celebrating the 4th of July? Um, so, but I wanted to, since Juneteenth, we're talking about holidays, you know, how are we feeling about holidays in general? Do we just feel like they're all kind of bullshit? Or are there some that we absolutely want to go out of our way not to celebrate? I have been, uh, I shifted away from 4th of July a long time ago, <laughs> a long time ago. You will not see, uh, the word children in red, white, and blue ensembles. <laughs> it's just. It's not. We might stand out. Clear. I don't do that. <laughs> I feel like your toenails are red, white, and blue. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like your big toe is striped. But um, we might, you know, look outside to see a little bit of fireworks, and then then that's it. <laughs> but we, um, and I usually tell people that on Fourth of July, I usually try to do something extra black. So we usually go to the Universal Circus every. <laughs> every year for the 4th of July, if we are going to do something. Um, I am, I have been moving away from Thanksgiving, <laughs> the idea of Thanksgiving. Um, there's just a lot of holidays that, um, always plugging, love Jill Scott's podcast, but she, she moved away from kind of man-made holidays or holidays a long time ago and started to create kind of some of her own within within her family her her son her aunts uncles whatever and kind of creating ways to celebrate that are just about creating new traditions so she doesn't do christmas um i can't remember what she calls it instead family fest I don't know she did a whole episode on it and it was like huh like just gave me this really interesting idea of why are why are we celebrating um but what traditions and what things can we be putting forth within our own communities and with our within our own families that are also not as capitalistic because fourth of july we were just talking about how pride every company is scattered in rainbows <laughs> is juneteenth going <laughs> to be the same thing where now every company is going to be capitalizing on june there's gonna be a juneteenth mattress sale or <laughs> the same way there's a memorial course, day one and their fourth of july blowouts like no no. Now, don't take this the wrong way, mm. but you do, since you don't celebrate Independence Day, you do go to work on July 4th. You're correct? inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and tell our listeners about how much work you do on July 4th at your desk. I don't. Now you see, this is, this is, this is the problem I have with the blacks. Wait, let me tell you. This is the problem I have with the blacks. But the white people aren't <laughs> saying Juneteenth is not for us. We're going to go to work. You know, they're they going to take their federal holiday. Just for the next five minutes, I'm going to give them a pass and we're going to talk about us. 
if you don't want to celebrate July 4th or Columbus Day or Thanksgiving for the reasons that you have, I respect that. But if you take the day off, mm. then you're you're actually, you're, you, you can't have it both ways. Either you're doing it or you're not. If you're not celebrating July 4th, I want to see you at work just like you were on July 3rd. I, that's what I want to see because you're not celebrating. This is a normal day for you. I'm just holding, I'm holding your feet to the flames, Bianca Ward. But there are a lot of people who companies giving folks uh, Christmas off. And if they are, are Muslim or another religion and they don't sell Christmas, celebrate Christmas, but they still get in the day off. They could go to work. The day of the, the company being closed, especially at our company, you can go in there and you can go in there and turn you on Saturday. You can, you can go to work on Sunday if that's what you want to do. There's nothing stopping you from working on the holidays. You just no. Why, this, if you, why would you take a day off when you don't celebrate that day? If you don't even believe in it. This is part of my reparations package. Oh my God. And you're welcome. <laughs> I'm going to take all of the things, okay? <laughs> As part of my benefits and reparations package. And I thank you. <laughs> I'm not fooling with you today. All right, Bianca, in the interest of time, I'm going to move us along. In all the fields this week, we dive into the emerging culture war debate over critical race theory and why it's suddenly the number one fear among some white folks. Now, Bianca, <laughs> I, you know, I, I felt like this topic fit, uh, it um, fits neatly into what we're discussing this week, so I added it in. But I've been hesitant to give space to this bullshit because that's what this is, it's some bullshit. And so listeners, I just wanna acknowledge up front, we're about to talk about something that Bianca and I think is complete BS, mm -hmm. but it's it's happening and, and, and again, it fits into this arc of today. And I think there's something to be said about how we're educating ourselves and our kids but let's start by just defining what this is, okay? For those who may not be familiar with the term. Critical race theory is an academic concept first developed by legal scholars in the early 1970s. It argues the legacy of white supremacy remains embedded in modern day society through laws and institutions that were fundamental in shaping American society. Generally speaking, it rejects the idea that laws are inherently neutral even if they are sometimes applied unevenly. So that is the best kind of straightforward definition that I can find for, for critical race theory. And I saw an article posted on NBC News, I retweeted it, where, the, where last year after George Floyd was killed, um, one of the school boards, I think in Virginia, decided that they wanted to um, begin to teach their students around why the laws are being applied the way they are being applied and how race and racism impacts that application of the law. In other words, why Mr. Floyd was stopped to begin with and why his engagement was different than what a white man's engagement might have been. Do you know the parents got up in arms and said that they were trying to convert their children into some indoctrination bullshit and they were like, yeah, we, we don't want you to talk about racism. We don't want you to talk about white supremacy. We don't want you to talk about how those things impact the laws. And I was just like, so you don't want them to have any knowledge about current affairs or current events or what of the world that they're living in, because that this is the world that we're living in. And to understand to me, Bianca, if you're trying to make sense of if you're if you're if you're growing up and you're a kid and you're trying to make sense of, of last year and mm -hmm. the riots and the trial and why that's even important, <clears throat> mm -hmm. the way to understand that is to teach our kids 
what what what's actually happening mm-hmm. that there that racism exists that this is how it shows up in different spheres of life in policing and to me that's not liberal or conservative that's just it is Facts. what it is <laughs> it literally is that they're trying to whitewash the history books to like downplay anything that's negative about the foundation and creation of this country. And to me, that does a disservice to to everybody involved. You can't just whitewash out the parts that you don't like. I'm pretty sure the New York City Police Department wants to forget about how they went to Stonewall and did what they did. We're gonna get into it next week, but that (laughs) happened. And because it happened, it's a part of our history and it needs to be remembered and it needs to be taught. And so I don't understand why this is even a thing. And I'm particularly bothered, Bianca, that critical race theory has now become this this thing between quote unquote conservatives and liberals or Democrats and Republicans, because it's really, it's not that, it's just, it's just a thing. <sighs> I wish they could see your face. <laughs> this, this, this shit. <laughs> Things that make my big toe itch. Um <sighs> it is so it is so much it is so frustrating because we do not um people are afraid of the truth uh afraid of the truth afraid of (laughs) facts and how um I think I think in the past mm, probably few years maybe maybe let's say two three years I have seen and heard more calling out of white supremacy than I think I've ever had like people are there is the blinders are being removed or trying to be what we are what we already knew existed like what we've always known that these literally these systems of oppression were set up in order to continue to keep us (laughs) oppressed like period um there has been more and more this movement of wanting to call out white supremacy this is what it looks like in your hiring practices this is what it looks like in housing this is what it looks like in our healthcare system covid right this is what it looks like um in our schools etc and it is i was about to say making white people uncomfortable but i really don't care about them <laughs> being comfortable and so when we have conversations about critical race theory and they don't want what they don't want being taught in schools and 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 states that feel very firmly and are canceling classes and um things that are funded by the federal government can't have trainings on this it's all just all of this bullshit trump <laughs> um because because I was listening to again today explain you know I'd be getting into the podcast but they had a whole episode on critical race theory I definitely encourage folks to check it out um and saying that they don't want to teach anything that would cause people to be uncomfortable or well then uh, we're not teaching anything we're not (laughs) teaching shit the whole damn history book is uncomfortable (laughs) to me thank you and I think about the fact that I am grateful that my children are going to a school where the teachers are predominantly black and brown, where they are getting history um, and information that me as a third grader in the suburbs 
of outside of Chicago was not getting just that that whitewashed um yes and and black folks were slaves but then we had Martin Luther King and everything was okay like <laughs> he made Juneteenth a holiday everything's great it's literally what we're so, doing right now here's the thing Bianca for me the reason why this is so important is because when you're not educated, it puts you on the pathway to really not a good place. And we think about the lack of critical thinking skills and how that played into people supporting Donald Trump on top of their inherent racism. Think about it. When you don't know what you don't know, and someone comes along and says, oh yeah, these people are at the border and they're trying to get in here and take your jobs and blah, 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 blah. If you're not an educated person, if you haven't been, if your eyes haven't been open, if you don't have critical thinking skills, then you fall for that bullshit. Okay. And so they're setting their kids up. They're setting up this vicious cycle of these people not being fully educated, not understanding how the world works, not having a full, robust understanding of the history of our country and how the decisions we've made have impacted people. So they're not even set up to be able to do it differently. They just do the same thing their parents did. They were they are conservative because their parents are conservative. They not they're not thinking for themselves, and that's the problem. When you withhold education from your children, and that's what this is, because Literally. it makes you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. The thing about studying things in school, you don't have to agree with them. They're not asking to agree or disagree with any of them. They're just giving you. They're providing you the information so that you are a well-rounded person. You can still go to class and decide later. You know what? That was cute. I'm going to be a Republican and I'm going to vote for Republicans. You can absolutely do that, but you're doing it from an informed world view. And what, what they're afraid of, let me tell you what they're really afraid of, mm -hmm. is that if their kids have informed worldviews, mm -hmm. then they would not be Republicans. They would not be conservatives. <laughs> they Maybe they don't need a gun because they understand that that's not critical to their lives. Mm -hmm. Their whole worldview could be shaped and changed if we let them be educated. And so, no, 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 no. Can't do that. Can't talk about the gays. Can't talk about. Can't talk about the blacks because we want. We want you to stay in this little bubble. Mm -hmm. But the world has changed. This is not 1950. There is um, every now and then I see. I'm not. I'm not on TikTok. I don't understand it. But but these videos of like um, woke white kids <laughs> calling out their racist ass parents. And like taking them to task. And these are kids who are like, you know, in high school, maybe like early 20s or whatever. So what they are afraid of is that now six and seven year old Billy and Jane are also with, with new information and new awareness can be calling out their parents racist ass rhetoric and thoughts. And just because God forbid, you know better right? Like, however big you are, like you said, aware and well-rounded and then can make decisions on uh, on what justice should look like and, and how these injustices have always uh, disproportionately impacted Black and Brown people, period, in this country. God forbid the next generation has this knowledge and, and can move the needle. People are afraid of they're they're afraid of losing the the power that they have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's one aspect that I'm on the fence about, B, <clears throat> and I'm really curious what you think about it. Some days I'm like, we should really be fighting to get the curricula in schools to be a little bit more um, 
uh, affirming and, and complete. And then other times I'm like, you know what, fuck that. Let's focus on, on providing education in non-traditional ways at home, in our communities, in our places of worship. Like we don't have to, we don't have to get their history books correct. We can write our own and teach our kids that. Like there's nothing stopping me on a Saturday afternoon from inviting the neighborhood kids to my backyard and having an hour long lesson on Juneteenth. Like if they're not getting that in the schools, I could give them, I know it. I could teach them right in the backyard. I'm on the fence of which thing that we should be focusing on because I, I I really go back and forth. We need it both. Like, I think the answer, I think the answer is no, I think the answer is both because we need our school system to teach truth, right? Because they're might not be somebody in the neighborhood that is going to spend an hour to talk about Juneteenth. Like we also have to talk about access. So if the school system in a rural community is teaching truth and the kids are getting it there, if they don't have that opportunity to then get it from somebody in their neighborhood or their, or their church or their, or their family. Right. So I, I think you can have one in the same. I think you can, have foundation and, or you can have foundation at home. You can have information and knowledge from school. You can make sure that you are encouraging um, children and and elders to be passing down this this wisdom, whether it's in our churches or on the block, whatever. I mean, we've always been teaching. So why not, I don't know, why not have it both? I think I think there is a way to, I think there's a way to do it. I think COVID especially has really, when everybody had to go virtual, like there's just a new frame of thought in how, what education looks like. So more of these like homeschool pods were developed, more folks were like, I'm just going to homeschool. And then really having, and, and having um, the unschooling movement where you kind of have to unteach and and unschool your kids all of the bullshit that they've been learning so that they're now getting correct information so um and people have been saying more adamant about okay this is the the knowledge and information that I want my children to have a good friend of mine she homeschools all three of her kids and um she has this hashtag uh homeschooling is my protest and she is very clear about it being um, informed and black centered and and just really amazing and dynamic and rich in history. And so Bianca's not homeschooling because I like these kids, but maybe not that much. <laughs> so it so again, I'm I am literally privileged to have my kids in a school where they are are learning their history and at the same time they have the privilege of coming home and it being reinforced here as well. Not everybody has that. I agree that maybe you've convinced me that maybe a, a both and is the way to go on that. Um, assuming that you have the time to do both and, because I feel like this fight with the school boards are going to, is going to be a very intense fight just to kind of button up the critical race theory, Bianca. I feel like there are some white people who just don't want to acknowledge that our society is racist and is built on white supremacy. And that's really the, the foundation of this is that they don't want to acknowledge that. And until they do, we're going to have these flare-ups, these culture war flare-ups like critical race theory, because that the foundation of it is they don't want to acknowledge what is clearly there. I don't know how we get around that. 
<laughs> we don't have all the answers here at the warden. We don't because Just I like to talk <laughs> because because what what seems so you know how they say common sense isn't common like this is literally this is literally it it's like, common to us but again right when you are when you have been in an ivory tower your whole life when inside the home and outside the home you haven't been taught nothing and you don't have a reason to think outside of your lily white existence then i often think you know bianca this is a little experiment i always play with myself if i were born white male mm. and rich would mm. i have the same worldview that i have as a black gay you know middle class person mm. and bianca i honestly don't know yeah Woo. Mm. i don't think you'd be the same bianca ward if you were a rich white woman <laughs> living in bethesda i feel like i feel like <laughs> rich one i feel like rich white bianca lives in bethesda for sure your head wouldn't be wrapped right now hey. No, you know what? It probably would be. And then they would think it's trendy and cute. <laughs> and, and brand new. And brand and brand freaking new. <laughs> Very good point. We don't have all the answers. I think it is really um, about, we don't have all the answers, but I think it's about encouraging folks to read and learn and, and be open and to literally think critically about how being rich white and male puts you in a, in a literally in a class of your own the amount of privilege that comes along with that is is unbelievable i read cast by isabel wilkerson Woo! that book right there um, we're not even putting that on the book club but i just encourage folks to read it because it is whoa. um but, you know, in, in the book, she also talks about how um, being white or being of the, the, the majority <laughs> um, cast, like it is, they would rather be white and poor than black. Or <laughs> and so that, that in itself, to be white and male is, is literally the top of the food chain. Mm -mm. No, thank you. Okay. Bianca, I'm gonna turn this over to you. <laughs> we need to do better with these transitions. The next episode needs to be light and fun. <laughs> I feel like sometimes we do better than other times, but sometimes we end a segment on really like a whatever. <laughs> I will end it. So so I will I will transition with this. Um, if you are a black and brown person <laughs> living in this here country, um, teach your children the truth. That's it. That's all. That's that's it. That's all. Can I add a codicil to that? Mm -hmm. even you, and even if you're a white person living yeah. in this country, teach your kids the truth. Yes. That's really I've been, all we ask of you. Literally all we ask. Because they I, I've seen this post going around that's like if if a six-year-old black child can learn about racism, then your six-year-old white child can also learn about racism and how not to be a racist. Okay. On that note, transitioning. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I just got a text and it, it fits. So my friend Carmel, every year on this day, she asks all of her white friends for $18.65 for $18.65. And I just got a text. She's like, I'm making $18.65 requests of all my straight white men in my Venmo contacts. So far, so good. She is ridiculous. I now, am here been... for it. 
I love that. <laughs> She's been doing this for years because we talked about it like two or three years ago. And I'm like, Carmel, do they actually send you money? She's do like, they? yes. 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 One year she had almost $200 from her white <laughs> friend sending her 1865. <laughs> pay, pay me in your white guilt coins. <laughs> oh, we need to be texting all of our white friends being like, can you send me 1865 to my Venmo or PayPal or Cash App or whatever, whatever you use. Genius. I What's her name? What's your friend's name? Carmel. Carmel for president. You hear me? <laughs> Should we try it? <laughs> I mean, you know, my friends would just laugh in my face and be like, girl, bye. <laughs> I need to find a couple that will donate to the cause. Okay. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, but I thought that was just too funny not to share. That is perfect. The timing is perfect. In, we're transitioning. In this week's Gotta Do, you better find your daddy <laughs> or the father of your children and wish them the best Father's Day ever. Sometimes you write stuff, Isaiah, and I'm just tickled. Uh, Father's Day is approaching and we are being better than we were with the mothers, right? <laughs> because Mother's Day came and went and we were like, we ain't say nothing, <laughs> about the 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 mamas the aunties the women in our lives that are holding up the community so we are trying to do we are trying to do better and father's day is sunday and we are celebrating the zaddies (laughs) shout out to mr ward my baby father (laughs) because he is uh doing a damn good job um, but I don't know, you know, I think Father's Day is one of those days where I think both Mother's Day and Father's Day nowadays are getting kind of the short end of this, <laughs> of the stick. I don't know if it's Father's Day is a cookout. <laughs> um, Father's Day, um, ooh, that was loud. So Father's Days, uh, to me, have always gotten the short end of the stick. I mean, as long as I can remember, like Mother's Day, you can't find a place to eat. Everyone's in their best clothes. It is an event. Because they went Father's to church. Day, you can go anywhere you want to go. <laughs> no, no one's out and about in these streets. You, you'll be lucky if you get a tie in a box. I have heard like Father's Day is a barbecue and the fathers have to grill. <laughs> But Mother's Day is is brunch and outings. They are in their best dress because Mother's Day is one of those days where mamas require you to go to church. Father's Day, not so much. <laughs> so, but I I just um yeah, I don't know. The past few Mother's Days, I've been like, meh. So Father's Day is kind of meh, you know. And again, when we talk about holidays and you know. Are they meaningful and symbolic? Your Father's Days and Mother's Day should be every day. You should be celebrating these people in your life that helped shape you. Don't get me started. Talk about a Hallmark holiday. There has never been a bigger Hallmark holiday than these two, Mother's Day and Father's Day. There is a Children's Day. There is a Grandparents' Day now. I didn't even know those were on the calendar, but I'm sure Hallmark knew. (laughs) So um, how are you celebrating? I don't know if he's going to listen to this before Sunday, but how are you celebrating Cliff this week? we're not (laughs) let me not say that we're going away this weekend and it just so happens to be falling on father's day so he'll be driving us to williamsburg (laughs) you ought to be ashamed of yourself (laughs) you really ought to be ashamed you're gonna make this man drive you somewhere on his day 
we're taking the kids. We had already planned this like back in March or April, something like that, that we were going to go in the school year and we were going to go away. And it, and I don't think until we like planned it and booked it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. We're literally leaving on Father's Day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. You might get some breakfast in the morning. And then we're going, I don't know, even with my own father, um, yeah, he sometimes gets the short end of the stick too. When I was younger, when I was a kid, I remember like baking him cakes and decorating them to look like the uh, shirt and tie. I remember crafting and making stuff. Like I used to be very about Father's Day. Um, And then I got a husband and has some kids and he's had some decent father's day one day he came home to a whole grill I will never forget I went to Lowe's bought him a grill had to rent a pickup truck that I could not drive to get the grill home me and my mama taking the grill off the back of the truck all of these things in order to surprise him so there have been one or two good father's days but I don't know if we've been consistent on either of the parent days all right fair enough and then the gifts. What do we what do we think we should be advising people to get besides ties? Do people still give ties? Oh my God, it's like the default gift when you don't know what to give. Because you know, a man can always wear a tie. Yeah. I, I'm literally thinking, I don't know if I've ever given a tie for Father's Day. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have a gift. <laughs> He's getting a tie. Um I don't know. What do men want? What's a great father? Have you ever given your father a great gift? I'm trying to think. No, yeah. I don't really give him gifts per se. I call him. Mm-hmm. Um, he might get a card, <laughs> but we don't really we don't really exchange gifts that way. And he doesn't really exchange gifts to me either. Like when it's my birthday, I don't expect it. I don't really need any. I don't need a gift. Yeah. Just a call is fine. <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Ward likes watches, so he has. Like he a likes whole... bourbon. I know that. You could buy him a bottle of bourbon. I yes to drink when we're on vacation with these kids. <gasps> That's a great idea. Because <laughs> they gonna make us crazy. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> um, on, again, on Facebook, I'm in this mom group and a few of the mothers are like, you know, what are you getting your husband's or your children's fathers for Father's Day? And a few of the mothers are like, he not my daddy. I'm not giving him anything. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> fair <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean that's, that, you call me petty now that's petty <laughs> technically <laughs> um i think experiences i think and, and even for mother's day i don't know i think we're i think moving away from the idea of like tangible gifts um but experiences i think cliff is getting uh you know what? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it on the podcast because he's gonna listen and things might Just be happening. You getting something? <laughs> Experiences. We'll say that time together. <laughs> um, baseball tickets, or you know, a concert or an event. Something you can do with him. Exactly. Some quality time. I think now more than ever, you know, it's about spending time with people, not necessarily another tie or another watch. 
But shout out to 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 the men folk, the the fathers, the granddaddies, the uncles, the big brothers, all of um, all of the the guys in our lives that are helping to shape us and our children and and our community, especially the black ones. Black men's, I love you. <laughs> I know I am y'all know I'm black 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 (laughs) so yes father's day but the black ones so happy daddy's day to all the daddies out there and happy father's day to the fathers I guess (laughs) so as we conclude um another episode a reminder that next week is our review and discussion of the June book club book Mm. my man's best friend by K.L. by K.L. Collier Mm. and you need to be ready you know what for next week we should tell people to bring a cocktail as we discuss this book come to that podcast ready (laughs) they need to come I just posted on Instagram they need to come drinking pink panties because she references pink panties in the book it is a very easy very 2011 cocktail to make we'll put the recipe out too because I've never heard of pink panties other than no, I don't even know. It sounds like something sweet. It is. And it has okay. vodka. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be drinking pink panties next week as we yes. review the book. Also, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Warden Webster that you need to do. And we put out two new videos this week on our YouTube channel. So if you oh, haven't seen them, go right on over there right now. You can see our faces. Uh, remember to like our content and to subscribe. And as a final reminder, new episodes every Saturday morning at wardandwebster.com. Uh, keep telling your friends. And if you are listening on a, a platform where you can rate us, please do. Sprinkle some stars under our name. We love ratings. We do. And, and if, if you don't like us, okay. Keep it to yourself. And one final plug. We do have a special guest coming up next week. We'll be discussing the Stonewall anniversary and the whitewashing of the riots. Ooh, we're going to get into that next week. <laughs> we have been, these past few episodes have been, ooh, we're, um yeah. Yeah, but we're going to close out Pride Month in style, I think. Exactly. I love, I, I am here for it. Happy pride to the folks. I'm Isaiah Webster. I'm Bianca Ward. Thank you for listening. I didn't get to give them my voice. I'm Bianca Ward. Happy Father's Day. Bye.